Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. And today we're going to talk about Romans chapter 7. And as I read through Romans chapter 7, I got to tell you, I am unbelievably grateful for the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible because it makes chapter 7 so much easier to understand and it restores a lot of the stuff that was missing, that, that got taken out. And before we jump into that, I want to talk about the Joseph Smith translation. We really haven't talked about it much. We've referenced it. I've read from it, you know, the, the verses and stuff. But I haven't really talk, talked about the actual Joseph Smith translation. So what is the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible? Well, in the Bible dictionary, it talks about it and it explains it. So I want to read a little bit of that. It says that the Joseph Smith translation is a revision of or translation of the King James Version of the Bible begun by the prophet Joseph Smith in June 1830. He was divinely commissioned to make the translation and regarded it as a, quote, branch of his calling, end quote, as a prophet. Although the major portion of the work was completed by July 1833, he continued to make modifications while preparing a manuscript for the press until his death in 1844, and it is possible that some additional modifications would have been made had he lived to publish the entire work. Some parts of the translation were published during his lifetime. And it talk, then it goes on to talk about how the translation process actually helped in the learning process for the prophet. You know, there's a lot of sections of Doctrine and Covenants that came as a direct result of Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible, including, um, let me see... Instructions, you know, section 37, 45, 76, 90, 94, 104, and 124. And then it, it talks about how uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew and the book of Moses are excerpts from the Joseph Smith translation. So the book of Moses is part of the translation, the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. And it says, many excerpts from the JST are also given in the appendix and footnotes in the this edition of the King James Version of that accompanies the dic- this dictionary. So, and then it says the Joseph Smith, uh, this is probably the most important part, the Joseph Smith translation, in, to some extent, is, assists in restoring the plain and precious things that have been lost from the Bible. So, it's interesting and it's important for us to realize that this was, this was part of his calling. He considered it a branch of his calling. And... You know, in the show notes at everydayconversion.com forward slash 103, I'm going to show you a, I'm going to show you a couple pictures. I'm going to post some pictures there of how I marked the Joseph Smith translation 
verses in my scriptures. So in the footnotes, it always references them. And what I do is I circle the footnote, the the letter. So if it's like A, so it's 5A, I circle it in the, the, the actual verse, and then I underline it in the footnote. So I'll show you how I do that. I'll, I'll put a couple pictures so you can see how I do that. But I do that because it, it reminds me as I'm reading through, I can say, oh, there's a Joseph Smith translation. I should read that and see how it changes or clarifies or adjusts the meaning of whatever it is I'm reading. Now, and before, one more thing, before we jump into Romans chapter 7 here, it's important to note, as I was going through and I was, I was looking at the Joseph Smith foot, or translation footnotes in Romans, I noticed something interesting. And the interesting thing I noticed is there's a lot of Joseph Smith translation um, adjustments in the book of Romans. There's a ton of them. But there is not a single Joseph Smith translation adjustment in Romans chapter 5. Now, in episode 102, which you can get at everydayconversion.com forward slash 102, we talk about how Romans chapter 5 is the main chapter of the book of Romans. It's the pivotal point. It's the, it's the foundation for everything that he talks about. And I think it's interesting that for all the changes that have happened to the Bible, for all the things that have been changed either by well-meaning people or not so well-meaning people, not a single change was made by Joseph Smith in Romans chapter 5. And personally, this isn't doctrine, but personally it makes me think that that doctrine of Christ coming and, and performing the atonement that's talked about in Romans 5 so clearly was preserved by Heavenly Father. That he allowed the, you know, the, the agency of man to change a lot of things in the Bible. But he would not allow them to change the plain and precious truth of the atonement of Jesus Christ found in Romans chapter 5. Totally my own opinion. Could be complete heresy, but that's the way it seems to me. Because in the chapters before, the chapters after, there's tons of adjustments. Uh, and there's actually a lot of longer adjustments that you have to go to the appendix for. But in chapter 5, it is intact as it is without Joseph Smith making any translations that are listed in the footnotes. So... Let's jump into Romans 7. This is one that I've always found interesting, this chapter, because it's confusing, and you're never really sure what Paul's talking about. You know, it, without the Joseph Smith translation, it, he seems to be talking about how the natural man um, and, uh, uh, or not about how the natural man, but the natural man, and it kind of presents our bodies as being evil and, and maybe even kind of detrimental to our progression and exaltation, which obviously according to the restored gospel, isn't true. Yes, there's a natural man. Yes, the natural man is an enemy to God like we know in the Book of Mormon. But we also know that our bodies are important. Our bodies are temples. We know that we will receive our bodies in the resurrection and that God and Jesus Christ have resurrected bodies. So bodies can't be that bad. But as you read this, listen, listen to this. I'm just going to read a few uh, of the verses here just to see how confusing this is and, and what it kind of sounds like. In verse 13, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that, and then there's a link to Joseph Smith translation. There was one back in verse 5 too. But this is the regular version, the King James Version. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to, to will is present with me. 
but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more that I, I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And he just keeps going on. So it's like, uh, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And it's, it, it just kind of sounds like he's talking about how we have no control, you know, in a lot of ways. It seems like I, I can't control what I want to do. I'm supposed to do these things, but I don't do them. And, and it kind of makes sense. And you could say, okay, yeah, he's talking about how it's only through Christ we're able to do the things that we're supposed to do and not do the things that we're not supposed to do. And he's talking about how without Christ, this is what it's like. It could be. And, and I think a lot of people have interpreted it that way. And a lot of good has probably come from people interpreting that way. But if you jump over to the Joseph Smith translation, if you jump over to the JST, Romans 7, 5 through 27, and you read it, you get this added layer of what he's talking about. You realize that it's not just about the natural man. Yes, that's a great, I mean, that's something you can learn from it. But what he's talking about is how the law of Moses is fulfilled. We've talked about that. You know, we talked about it in Romans 5. We talked about it in Romans 4. We talked about it in Romans 3 about how the law of Moses is done away and the law of Christ is what's here now. And Paul's talking about how those, those rules and practices and rituals and everything are done away with. They're no longer required. They're not part of the gospel. And he's trying to help the members be okay with that. Be okay with realizing that things that they had thought was right for their entire lives isn't necessarily right. You know, like, I don't know, Jews eating with Gentiles. You know, like we read about in Acts. About, you know, some of the, some of the, the rituals, the cleaning rituals, all of those types of things that were done away with when the law of Moses was done away with. And then also pointing out that some of the things that they shouldn't do now is, or that they should do, now they don't have to do. And some of the things they should do, now they shouldn't do. And so if you read in the Joseph Smith translation, I'm just going to read um, from this verse, or from the JST, Romans chapter 7, 5 through 27. I'm going to read verses 19 through 24 or so. And listen to this. This is some of the same stuff I read from the, the King James Version. Um, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but to perform that which is good I find not only in Christ. So the highlight, and I'm going to try to emphasize those, are the ones that are added by the JST. For the good that I would have done when under the law, I find not to be good. Therefore, I do it not. But the evil which I would not do under the law, I find to be good. That I do. Now, if I do that through the assistance of Christ, I would not do under the law. I am not under the law. And it is no more that I seek to do wrong, but to subdue sin that dwelleth in me. I find then that under the law, that when I would do good, evil was present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And now I see another law, even the commandment of Christ, and it is imprinted in my mind. So he adds this whole idea of being under the law. And, you know, that, you know, now that, you know, the things, you know, what is it in verse 22 there? If I do that through the assistance of Christ, I would not do under the law. I am not under the law. So he's saying, look, if I do the things that I shouldn't have done when I was under the law of Moses, well, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under the law of Christ. And then he goes on in chapter 8 to start talking about the law of Christ. 
you know, in, in the first verse of chapter 8, it says, There is therefore no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Jesus, who walked not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So, seven is so convoluted when you don't use the Joseph Smith translation. But when you use the Joseph Smith translation, you understand and you realize what he's talking about. And it makes sense. You know, it, it makes more sense following the flow from uh, Romans 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 through 7 on to 8, talking about the law of Christ. But when you don't have that, it's like this weird, like, almost like Paul is inside himself saying, man, why do I do the things I shouldn't do? And why can't I just not do the things that I should, or, you know, why do I not do the things I should do? And man, I'm a terrible person. And while that's a good thing to think, that is not what he was talking about. We totally miss the point if we don't use the Joseph Smith translation. So I'd encourage you, go read Romans chapter 7. Read the King James Version, and then go look in the footnotes. Um, for in verse 5 of chapter 7 and verse 15, there's footnotes, and it goes to the same one. So if you just go to the one in 5, it goes to the JST Romans 7, verses 5 through 27 in the appendix. Read chapter 7 king james version and then go back and read that in the appendix and see how it changes the meaning and my two questions for you real quick today number one why do you think the lord commanded joseph smith to do a translation of the bible we've talked about that a little bit but why do you think what are the main reasons do you think what what was the purpose of him doing that both for himself and also for the church as a whole and number two ties into us being able to understand this a little better with the Joseph Smith translation. How important do you think living prophets and apostles are to help us understand and interpret scriptures? So again, why do you think the Lord commanded Joseph Smith to do a translation of the Bible? And two, how important do you think living prophets and apostles are to understand, to help us understand and interpret scripture? Remember, you can get the links to all of the things we talked about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash 103, including pictures from my scriptures to show you how I mark the Joseph Smith translation uh, portions from the footnotes in my scriptures so that I make sure to study those as I'm reading through the Bible. So we'll see you guys in episode 104. Thanks so much for listening, and make sure to share this with a friend, a family member, a quorum member, a you know class member uh, that you think would benefit from it. All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org. 